and gentlemen, it's Sunday, one o'clock Pacific time, and I am your host, Victor Brooks of the Victor Brooks Show Quarantine Series on Facebook Live. And you know what I have to do every time. You know, I'm finally learning my lesson of starting my watch parties, okay? So I'm going on to the Victor Brooks Show page right now, and I am going to begin this watch party um, of our... Uh, of our guest today. Uh, let me, okay, it said that it's already rolling. Fantastic. Welcome, y'all. Thank you so much, Positivity Posse, from around the world that you, um, every, every weekend you take your time, you know, to share this positive moment with us. And I can't thank you enough. On behalf of myself, uh, my co-producers, Christopher Brooks, Julie McKnight, and the incredibly talented and wonderful Wendy Vaughn, that, um, that join me in this journey every week, you know, that we just take our time to get away from what's happening out here with all of us around the world right now. It's heavy out here, you know, it's, we, we, it's no need for me to, to try to further explain it. We're all experiencing what's going on right now. But this is just our, our attempt, you know, to bring a positive moment to the world, to just kind of pause back and remember that there's always something to be positive about. There's always something to smile about. You know what I mean? Um, I guess it was, it, I, I can't help it. It's in my DNA. I'm, I'm a born optimist, you know, a born romantic of life. But And being an artist at the same time, it kind of all jumbles up. So I, I contact certain people who, who have shared their journeys on our show with us, who I know carry that same feeling of positivity uh, through their artistic journeys, you know, and then they, 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 they take their time to come on and share it with all of you, my posit our positivity posse. Thank you so much in the past to Bill Duke and, and Chris Play Martin of Kid and Play and, and uh, oh, Clifton Davis, the legendary himself, uh, Queen Melba Moore, who joined us in the past, and so many others. I thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, we started something uh, last week, last weekend, which was our last Saturday, Saturday um, uh, production that we do. And now we're strictly on Sundays at one o'clock p.m. And uh, we, we, over the week, we, I, the, the, the emails have been flooding on how much our Positivity Posse enjoyed Wendy and I coming and reading those positive quotes and, and those uh, shows of appreciation of life itself uh, from our Positivity Posse. And I'm going to ask Wendy to come on. And, and, uh, but before I do, Wendy, let me give this shout out as well. One of our previous guests, uh, our brother Jonathan Slocum, the comedian, one of the kings of clean comedy, as he says. Um, so proud of Jonathan. When, you, when he was on the show, if you look at his episode, Jonathan mentioned to us that he's working on a couple of uh, pretty major projects, you know? And one of them, he, he contacted yesterday, and then he started posting his promo yesterday as well for tomorrow, five o'clock Eastern Standard Time at Sirius XM, Jonathan Slocum is gonna just, I mean, he's flooding Sirius XM with his clean comedy, but downright hilarious comedy. So if you don't have Sirius XM, now's the time to get it, y'all. Jonathan Slocum, we love you, man. Congratulations. 
Um, uh, much love and much respect to Jonathan Slocum, Sirius XM tomorrow, five o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Wendy, can you come on for a few minutes, please? And let's talk to our, hey, there she is, y'all. Hey, <laughs> how you doing? How you doing, gorgeous? I am well. I'm doing very well. I'm enjoying this beautiful Sunday and boy, just ready for today because you know how I love Miss Frida. I'm like, woo. <laughs> I know it. Come on, can you be half? It's such an honor, such an honor. That's so give me, give me your, what's been happening on your positivity group this week and even today? Who, who are we talking to? What are we talking about? You know, today we have so many people. Mom is in the house, Ms. Wanda. Are we talking about Queen Wanda Vaughn of the emotions <laughs> in the house? <laughs> yes, we are. She's are you Mr. V. Brooks and Ovia. That's like, <laughs> she just went ahead and just wanted to, Come on, zoom in. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, we have uh, our fabulous author friends, uh, Salima. Hey, Salima. Yes, yeah. Sister Salima. That's we got right. Auntie. So we got Chicago in the house, LA. We got Marsha Evans, another phenomenal artist and singer over there in the Midwest. Wow. And everybody is, give us your positivity today. We have beautiful Astrid. You know, either. Yes, yes, Astrid from 17 at 7, the incredible jazz foundation and, and group there in Saint-Denis, France, yeah. doing incredible things with jazz music. Hey, how you doing? Merci beaucoup, Astrid. Merci. <laughs> yes, and that's hello from France. Yep, everybody. So everyone's giving their positivity. I think that if we had to say one word today here in the on, on, on the LA house side, we'd have to say we are just excited about creativity. That is our positivity today. Right. Being, being creative in many ways. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And you know what? I, I'm going to give a shout out on my lineup as well. We have, oh, there we go. One of our um, uh, previous guests that I just mentioned, your other uncle, my brother from another, Clifton Davis is on as well. Oh. Giving love and respect to, he <laughs> said, love and respect to the incomparable Freda Payne. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And we have Brazil in the house the, uh, from the Antonio Carlos Jobim Society there. You know, much respect. Muito obrigado, brasileiro. Minha família brasileira. Thank you for your time today. Saudade Brazil. We miss Brazil. We also have, um, oh, look at this. We have uh, out of Chicago. We have North Carolina. We have, uh, uh, oh, they're up late. We have uh, over in Germany. They're with us right now. They're coming wow. in, Wendy. This yeah. is wonderful. <laughs> Man, we even have Larry Dotson. He's yes. yes, I mean oh, yeah. everybody. Oh, everybody. Well Larry Dobson of the Barcase. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's right. Well, you know, Wendy, um, I'm enjoying the Sunday groove that we're doing now. Yes. And I cannot wait to join you this week on your show as yes. well. Please tell me about your kickoff. Oh my gosh. Well, so working with Uncle Vic, y'all, it has been such a beautiful honor. I've known him and the whole Brooks family for so long and got cousins and stuff. And, you know, but working this closely and 
seeing the world through his lens of positivity, it really was inspiring for me to be more intentional with the little talk show and things that I do on mm -hmm. I Am Wendy with an I. And that platform is dedicated to self-love because, you know, being a creative myself and just the different paths that life has taken, I found that that, that piece of medicine is absolutely imperative to anybody's joy and success so like the overallness so you uncle vic have been such an inspiration and you totally model that not even explicitly using those words but from the different guests you have on and how the how the conversations go through their careers and also their personal life ups and downs we need to hear that yes that's right that's that to right. me is like we're continuations of the Bible, because those are all, the, the books in the Bible are mostly mm -hmm. stories of somebody's life and what their testimony and how we learn. So from, I just got to have you on because every time I hear more about your story from the wow. interviews with the guests and you go, oh yeah, well that's kind of like me. And da, da, da. I'm like, yeah. who is yeah. Uncle Vic? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just out here to, that I try to say I'm too blessed to be stressed. That's what I try to say every day. And uh, just, you know, I, I'm so thankful for, for you and my brother Chris and my sister Julie for taking this journey together, you know, so that we can just take this ball of positivity and throw it out there and just, you know, hopefully somebody can. It looks like they're catching it, you know? They're, it does. They're now, you know? But thank you, Wendy. I love you, girl. Thank I you for your time. And uh, thank you, Emotions, from your page, sending your watch party and everyone <laughs> else who's there. But um, we'll check back in. You know, y'all, um, I always, every episode too, uh, especially during this time that we're dealing with these two viruses out here, you dig? This is the virus that we all know of, Corona, you know, that's put everybody's life on pause right now. Um, and then that second virus of racism, you know, that's mm. generational, that's been, we've been dealing with, especially in the U.S. of A. You know, when it comes to those two viruses, y'all, my first shout out and show of respect of, the, of during this time of health crisis are our doctors, our first responders, our people on the ground, our hospital workers, you know, our nurses, um, everybody that's putting their life on the line to better and try and literally save, attempting to save the lives of many who are going through this first virus that I'm talking about right now, you know? Much respect to you. I'm even giving respect to our market workers. When it's time to go put that food in our house, those workers are there, you know? I wanna give respect to our truck drivers who are still doing their thing. Respect to our sanitation workers. Respect to everyone that's doing what they can do um, to try to make life as normal as it can be for us during this time. And it's not gonna last, y'all. We're gonna be all right. We're gonna get through this, you dig? Um, and it's gonna take all of us, you know, put that mask on, you know, kind of stay away when we don't have to be around so close, you know, respect that, that distance thing. And let's do what we need to do to try to push this thing along, you know, so we can get back to the things that, 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 uh, that we love even more outside of the house, you dig? And uh, on that, uh, I wanna shout out to that, to that second virus, once again, to the much respect uh, to the legacy of John Lewis, you know, who uh, in no doubt 
was his journey was one of the journeys that changed the course in so many ways of history in the United States and made that shout out to the world of what's happening here. And it took him and so many of the, of the other heroes, Martin Luther King and, and just so many of, of the generation before us, you dig? Uh, and then the generation who are watching of, of, the, of your generation that, that paved the way of, uh, of us even having what we have today socially, and there's still a long way to go. That's why I'm so proud of these young people out here protesting, you dig? Nah, yeah, the riots, it's not a good thing. Cut the riot off, but protest. Say what's on your mind. If you angry, let us know. If there's a song, our artist, you know, I never forget Nina Simone when I was a youngster. We had the privilege of her, and I've, you've heard me say it before, but it's something that sticks, that stuck with me forever when she told my sister and I, okay, yeah, you're artist, you write music, but now what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with your artistry? Come on, artists, write those songs. I cannot wait. Paint those pictures, uh, create those poems, do the movies, do what you need to do. And uh, we're still here. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, I've got a lot of emails as well that you're loving the bio intros that we're doing. And there's a couple of reasons why. It's because the artists and the people that we've had on this show, there is no way especially today, there's no way to include in a 30 to an hour show of these uh, icons of, of, of entertainment and artistry that have taken the time um, to come and join us. There's no way to, to, to fully include that. So I try my best in the intro, you know, as short as we can, but as, as, as informative as we can. And I'm going to start today with the one and only Ms. Frida Payne. Check this out. The beautiful and multi-talented Frida Payne is best known for her multi-genured singing career through her award-winning recordings of jazz, soul, and pop. But Frida Payne has showcased her talents performing in theater, musicals, and as an actress in several movies during her career. Born Frida Payne in Detroit, Michigan, Frida developed an appreciation of music at an early age being drawn to such sultry singers as Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughn, and Billie Holiday. Come on now. Soon, Frida Payne's own musical journey started to blossom. As she began early in her career singing radio commercial jingles, which brought the young vocalist to the attention of several music biz heavyweights, one of which was her hometown friend, Barry Gordy Jr who attempted to sign Frida Payne, but her mother wouldn't agree to it. Additionally, the music legend Duke Ellington, Sir Duke, employed Frida as the featured singer, y'all, with his renowned orchestra for two nights in Pittsburgh, resulting in Duke Ellington offering Frida Payne, the teenage Frida Payne, a 10-year contract. But that didn't happen, and we're going to find out why amazing story. <laughs> Throughout the 60s and 70s, Frida Payne's recording career delivered the world that signature, like I like to say, Frida Payne-ness of class, style, and sensuality with albums such as Contact, Reaching Out, Pain and Pleasure, Out of Pain Comes Love, Stares and Whispers, Supernatural High, and Red Hot. 
Also during this time, Frida Payne was also collaborating with legendary entertainer Sammy Davis Jr. and so many other A-list entertainment industry movers and shakers throughout Hollywood, Broadway, and Europe. Again, proving her multi-talented artistry, Frida Payne then added television to her list of entertainment arenas as she hosted her very own talk show in 1981, Today's Black Woman. Then in the 90s, Payne combined her love of acting and music, releasing her albums, An Evening with Frida Payne and Christmas with Frida and Friends, while also landing roles in such movies as Private Obsession, Sprung, and Ragdoll. Payne continued to balance an acting and music career during the early 21st century as she appeared in 2000 Eddie Murphy's comedy classic, Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, and the made-for-TV movie Fire and Ice, plus issuing an all-new album in 2001, Come See About Me. In 2009, she appeared on American Idol, performing her signature and timeless hit, Band of Gold, that reached number three in the U.S. and number one on the U.K. charts and stayed there for six weeks in September 70, giving Frida her first gold record. <laughs> Payne also well, has broad rate credits involving Hallelujah Baby with fellow legend Leslie Uggams, then in Duke Ellington's Sophisticated Ladies, Ain't Misbehaving, The Blues in the Night, Jelly's Last Jam, as well as the theater plays A Change is Gonna Come and The Divorce. It's my honor, y'all, to welcome <laughs> a true Dom of Malta, as you could say, a 2017 inductee to the R&B Hall of Fame, the legendary and one and only Frida Payne. Hi. <laughs> there she is. Hi. <laughs> we just lit up, Miss Frida. How are you today? Thank you I'm so fine. much. I'm fine. I'm <laughs> fine. I've been looking forward to this. Yes, yes, and all of your all of your people have shown up for you today. I, I don't know if you heard in the intro, but we have the emotions are doing their fan page and sending love to you. Your, and your I love them. Baby, all of the Melba Moore, so many are, are yeah, just I in love the, the emotions. I love Melba. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's right. And you know, I always like to start off with asking, what's your positivity, especially now? What's my positivity? What's your positivity? What, what's your positive medicine? My positive medicine is, is it's going to be all right. Come on now. And also keep the faith. Uh -huh. And don't, I guess, like, you know, follow all the rules. You know, when I go out, I wear my mask. That's right. And I, you know, I, I sanitize. Mm -hmm. uh, I do all the things that you're supposed to do. And uh, I basically, I stay home a lot, but then I do go out. I go to the grocery store and uh, drugstore and all that kind of stuff. And occasionally I, I've been starting, as of the last couple of weeks, I've been starting to go, to, to go out and meet some friends, just like maybe five or six people or a couple of people at a restaurant. And it's all dining outdoors right now. Gotcha. gotcha. And yeah. of course, we have maintained distance, you know, yeah. from other tables. Yeah. yeah. Hey, y'all, learn by example, y'all. You heard it. That's right. I mean, there are ways to do this, you know. And uh, Miss Frida, take us back 
And like I like to say, you're from Detroit, Detroit native. Um, Nate Watts, another Detroit native bass player, he sends his Detroit love to you. But what Detroit, we, we know New Orleans, we know Memphis as music capitals, but Detroit has a big music history as well, even before Motown, if I'm oh, not. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Well, Detroit has had a music history for that goes way back, that really goes way back to the 40s. And uh, we, we used to have, I don't know if, what they have now, because I haven't lived in Detroit in a few years, but I go back occasionally. But Detroit had a lot of nightclubs back in the day. You know, there was the Flame Show Bar. Uh, there were uh, other clubs. There was Rooster Tail. There was even a, even across the river uh, in Windsor, Ontario, that uh, we had the Elmwood Casino. We had Baker's Keyboard Lounge. Um, and, and a lot of great jazz artists came out of Detroit as well. See there, yeah. And and growing up around that, did you was your family? I know your sister Sherry. Much respect to Sherry Payne. Yes. As well. So did you? Were you born into a musical like parents or musical family, grandparents? And not at all. Really? No. My uh, my mother wasn't an artist at all. Uh, and then my father, Fred Payne. He wasn't a musical artist. He was, matter of fact, he worked at Ford's. Okay. You know, he was, uh, he worked at Ford's. Matter of fact, all the men in my family, when I grew up, they all worked in the uh, uh, car factories. Okay. okay. You know, mainly Ford's. Right. And uh, right. even my grandfather, he worked at Ford's. So we, oh my, okay, I had an uncle. He died when I was nine years old. And that was my uncle Johnny. That was my mother's brother. That was the only sibling she had. Okay. And uncle Johnny, although he wasn't a singer or anything, but he used to, he used to tap dance. I never witnessed him tap dancing. My mother used to tell me the stories. She said he would go to the uh, local nightclubs and he would tap dance and they wouldn't hire him, but then he would tap dance and they would throw money at him. And then he would bring the money home and, and he would throw it on the bed and say, okay, sis, what do you want? You take what you want. <laughs> Look, at that. Look at that. See that family sticking together. Yeah. And also, <laughs> and also I attribute him to my early training. You know, they say some, they say you can start training uh, babies in the womb, you know, by listening to certain That's kinds right. of music. Yeah. yeah. And when I was like four, I think four years old, he had a vast collection of all kinds of music, mostly jazz. He had Duke Ellington, mm. Lionel Hampton. Mm -hmm. I think he had some B.B. King. Okay. He also had classical music, which okay. was unusual for a black family back then. Okay. He had uh, Roma, uh, Rachmaninoff, Serge Rachmaninoff. Oh, yeah. He had Tchaikovsky. He had Bach. And I play, he would play this stuff. And I would put my ear right up to the to the speaker, mm -hmm. um, and I would listen, and I and it and that I guess that went into my brain, you know, that went into my spirit. Yeah. And yeah. then when I was about five or six years old, my mother started me taking piano lessons. Ah, gotcha. Okay. And so when I started taking piano lessons, that was also a continuation of the, uh, uh, let's say, the the classical movements. You know uh -huh. the uh, the uh, uh, piano exercises, the finger exercises, the you know Matthew and all that. 
Gotcha. And, uh, and then from the time, and then when I got to be around 12, uh, I, I would go downtown and I would go to the local music store and my mother, let's say sometimes I would go down there because I had to buy a book for my, uh, my piano teacher would want me to buy uh, another, another book yeah. to, to continue my piano lessons. And when I got down there, I started checking out the other stuff and I saw Gershwin, <laughs> Cole Porter, Rogers and Hart. And so I would have take my little allowance and I would buy, a, a, let's say, a, a Rogers and Hart book uh-huh. or a Cole Porter book. And then I started playing those songs and I start learning those songs. See and that's when I, I started to educate myself musically. Hmm. And uh, that's basically how I, I became involved in and uh, oh, and also yes, yes. at the age of twelve, I would I would go to bed. At, I would let's say when I would go to bed at night, I wouldn't go to bed right away, you know. And I had a radio that was right up above my head, I had like a twin bed, and then yeah. I had there was a radio right right up above my head, like that a little small. Mm-hmm. And I would listen to it real quiet, you know. And yeah. I would listen to the station that played like like Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah mm-hmm. Vaughan, Julie London. Chris Connor, June Christie, Mm -hmm. and I would listen to these, and and Chet Baker and Dizzy Gillespie, Mm -hmm. and it turned me on. It spoke to me. It spoke to my spirit, Mm -hmm. and when I was 13, I I was able to obtain an album by Miles Davis, and that was Sketches of Spain, and that sent me into euphoria. That was like, oh, and then from that point on, I started listening to other musical compositions like uh, All Blues and and other other compositions that he would put out. I became a fan of of Miles Davis and Dizzy Gillespie. And And uh, And how old were you then? You said about 13 now. 13. I was was a jazz fan when other kids my age were into like Jackie Wilson. I like Jackie Wilson too, by the way. Right, right. You know, I got Elvis you. Presley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I liked a lot of the R R and B artists, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, something about that that style, that jazz, that that feel just started, like you said, it just starts speaking to you. You know, it's yeah. ageless. You now, know, I like now. I like you know. I like R and B. You know, R and B's been good to me. I like pop. Yeah, but yeah. I love our I love jazz as well. Whereas mm. some people they just like R and B or hip hop or yeah. rap, and that's it. They don't go beyond. They don't go beyond those borders. Yeah, yeah. And, like uh, like you said, it's it's important that as much as we can. And I'm glad I was raised that way as well. We never knew what music was gonna come on in the house. We never knew, you know. And uh, and even like fast forwarding, I pass it on to my sons. So now we, I see that, that whole thing of being able to, I like that. Oh, rumba, rumba, yeah. They're 14 years old talking about rumba or rumba, yeah, or you know, just yeah. different kind. I think it's a magic in that. Uh-huh. So is that the time of your life when you started to really progress into the jingles and the commercials locally? Is, is that around 13 years old as well? Well, no. By that time, I was 16, I believe. Okay. And what happened with me? At the age of 14, I auditioned for a radio show. It was uh, nationally syndicated, and uh, it was in the, anybody that knows Detroit, they know of the Fisher (laughs) Building. 
It was located in the penthouse of the Fisher Building, and the station was WJR, and the show was called Don Large's Make Way for You. Now, this was um, mostly predominantly white. Okay. Now, there was like me, Ursula Walker, and a girl named Carmen Mathis. We were the only you know, girls of color in the, in the, this, this was like a choral group, mm -hmm. a choral group. And then the rest of it um, were Caucasian people. Mm -hmm. And they had a big band in this, it was live in the studio and they, it, would, it was broadcasted every Saturday mm. at two o'clock for an hour, make okay. way for you. So I had to audition for that. And I had to be a good sight reader. That was, that was one uh -oh. of the main now See, that, I, that piano lesson kicked in, and it, all your whole. But I learned a lot of my uh, musical, uh, my musical knowledge. Of course, I had the piano lessons for, yeah. and I have to credit uh, Ruth Ann Johnson, who was my uh, piano teacher back then. But I had music classes in school. See, uh -huh. back then we had yeah. you take a music course in school. I mean, in elementary school and in uh, uh, middle school, you know. And then in high school, and I always took mu my music classes. Right. I took um, so we would learn all the you know the, about we learn all about the courting, and we learn how to sight read. Mm -hmm. And I remember one semester we worked on uh, the opera of Porgy and Bess. Look at that. Okay. You know, and that's quite that was that what was quite an accomplishment. Uh -huh. And then we learned, and then we did some other requ you know requiems like. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So now when this happened, now your name and your, your sound, your voice is getting out there through the jingles, right? So is this, how did the connection between the jingles or the progression rather, from the jingle t uh, of the jingle singing, and then you ended up in New York auditioning for another show? Is that how that happened or to please? Well, it had, it was just a progression. And then of course, um, there was a period, let's say I did Make Way for Youth. Oh, and then I won talent cost contest. Ah, gotcha. It was on, when I was 13 years old, okay. there was a TV show that was in Detroit and it, it was on, came on every Saturday as well. Uh -huh. And it was called Ed McKenzie's Dance Hour. Uh -huh. Now Ed McKenzie was, has patterned themselves after Dick Clark's American Bandstand. Gotcha. Okay. And so they would have teenagers dancing to yeah. the latest, you know, hit songs, pop mm -hmm. songs, or whatever, or maybe some R&B. Yeah. And they would also feature a talent contest okay. as well as they had, they would invite a, a headliner, a guest artist to come on and perform. Okay. And the guest artist would be like a Sammy Davis Jr., okay. like uh, Della Reese. Wow you know, wow. uh, like uh, four freshmen, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Whoever, whoever was playing yeah. at yeah. one of the local Detroit right. night spots, right. they would be invited to appear on the show. Okay. And uh, so I was in, I, I auditioned for the talent contest. They this, this was on, they only featured like four acts mm -hmm. and, and it was within a segment, you know, of like 15 minutes or something yeah. like that. And I auditioned and the funny thing is I auditioned originally as being a dancer. Okay. And they accepted me as a dancer. Okay. And then when I got home, I said, Mama, I think, I don't <laughs> think I want to dance. I think I want to sing. sing. And so we called them back 
and that we told them that I had changed I, my genre. I wanted to sing instead. And so they brought, told me to come in and I sang and they said, okay. And I won, I won the contest. And that was the first time. And, and then six months later, they brought me back. Mm -hmm. I won the second time. Come on now. Yeah, Come so on. I won my little trophy. The first time I was on, Sammy Davis was the, was the, was the uh, celebrity star. Look at that. The first time you're on, Sammy Davis is on the same. Yeah. He was on did you all get a chance to communicate at that? Oh, did we communicate? We took a picture together and I still oh. have the black, it's black and white. I still have that picture to this day. Yeah. And I'm holding my trophy. Here we yeah. are. Now, you, what, you know what the, I was reading? Is that when he made reference that you reminded him of Lena Horne in some ways? Well, it, no, that wasn't Sammy. That was Duke Ellington. Excuse me. Gotcha. That was Duke <laughs> and, I, and, and I met Duke Ellington. I'll, I'll tell you how that happened. I was Please. 17. And what happened was we had a neighbor. His name was Alan Early Jr. He was a top criminal attorney in Detroit. Okay. And he was my uh, good friends with my parents. Okay. Socially. Uh -huh. And so Alan, uh, you know, was crazy about me too. Mm -hmm. So he was at a cocktail party where he met Mercer Ellington. So he started telling Mercer about me. Gotcha. And he said, you ought to hear, you got to hear her sing. And so we invited Mercer Ellington to come to my house, to our house. Wow. And he came, we invited him and I stood up in the living room and I sang and he said, wow. He said, you're really good. He said, I want my dad to hear you. At so that. at that time he was with his dad because his dad, they were playing at a theater in Detroit, the band, the whole band. Yeah. And, and uh, the Duke was staying at the Gotham hotel. That was the black hotel okay. in Detroit. Okay. And um, so he said, the only problem is we're leaving the next morning to go to Pittsburgh. But if you can, you know, if your mother can bring you down to uh, to meet Duke and and yeah. sing for him, he says I can arrange it. So he arranged it, and that happened. Mm -hmm. And so Duke, they had a Duke had a piano in his suite, and he played, and I sang. And when I finished singing, he turned around and he said, "You know what? You remind me of Lena Horne." Wow. And then he said, "I want to hear you sing with the band." He mm. said, "But we're leaving it in the morning." And uh, if we're going to Pittsburgh, we have a, a gig at the Holiday House okay. in Pittsburgh. And he said, if somebody, your mother or your father or somebody can drive you down to Pittsburgh, I'd be more than happy to bring you up to sing with the band. And so that's what happened. Good. Now, you know what? If you have a chance to look back on these comments after this, these people are throwing hands. They're saying they got chills. They're doing the much respect sign. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, we're all, we're talking about 13 years old, Sammy Davis Jr. enters your life. Then we talk after that, Duke, Sir Duke himself, Duke Ellington now is part of your life's journey. Yes, so yes. it's no doubt that you had become, you had become to be groomed as that all around entertainer, not just singer, but dancer, performer, singer. This is the camp 
that the legends, these two we own, you just named just so far, that's the camp that, the, do you see it that way as well? That the multi-talented started at this young age of understanding that. I, I kind of look at it as God blessing me and, and putting me in this position. It was, when I think about it, I, it wasn't anything I did. Okay. It was people around me. Wow. It was people around me who believed in me mm -hmm. and who thought more of me than I thought of myself. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was uh, a very shy person. I wasn't pushy. Gotcha. Uh, I, I kind of like, my sister was the one that was outgoing and like, <laughs> you know, you ever see some kids, they come like that. Hi, do you want to hear me sing? <laughs> I got yeah, that, that, that was my brother and sister, and I was the introvert. You're right. I yeah, they come out and tear off, you know. <laughs> and so I was the one that Sherry would be out there in the front, you know, like, you know, with, you know, loving everybody, and I would like stay in the background. they would invite me to, you know, yeah. to come into their realm. But I was like that. I felt like, I don't know, it was just, I just, maybe I just had this, this feeling of shyness of being, understand. of not being accepted. Yes, I totally understand that. Yeah. I understand and that. Kids go through all, and you know, kids go all through all kinds of changes. Yeah. So anyway. Um, but now did Matt Ferguson have a, have a, have, Matt Ferguson, was he one of the ones that helped bring that or kind of, you know, tell me about that experience. He was, Matt Ferguson was a man that became a friend and a mentor to me. He okay. was a one, he was a, a, a musician. He played the piano. He was an accompany, accompanied me. Mm -hmm. And he, he played mainly in like cocktail lounges. Okay. You know? Yeah. And he just sort of like started, took an interest in me and, and we started rehearsing and he started saying, Frida, you got to learn as many standards as you can, because okay. that's what's going to sustain you if you want to be a professional singer. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, that's what I did. So it was Mac Ferguson who was in that car and I'm with my mother <laughs> and I, when we went, when we drove to Pittsburgh to um, meet up with Duke Ellington so so that I could get up and, and sing, and which he did. And, and also, I had another experience while we were in Pittsburgh. Okay. And uh, I got to meet Billy Strayhorn. Look at that. Yeah, I met, I didn't, at that time, I didn't realize who he really was. You know, it didn't, I had heard the name, but it was like, then I, then I realized later on, just how important he was. Mm -hmm. But I got to meet him, shake yes. his hand. Come on now, you know, A-Train is just one of the many classics. A-Train, honey, lush <laughs> Lush, there you go. There lush you go. life, that's one of his signature tune. Yes, And yes. you know what, he wrote that when he was a teenager. Really? They, they say he wrote that when he was 16, but mm -hmm. it's been argued as to whether he was 16 or 18, but he was definitely in his teens. Exactly. And it, the, kind of, the lyrics have the kind of sophistication where you would say, how would a 16 year old have that kind of sophistication 
to write a song like this. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, we're talking about, if, if you could give us an insight to that 10-year contract offer from the Duke. Okay. Okay, <laughs> we, we did, I did my thing. I got to sing with the band. And then we drove home. And then, uh, I'm trying to remember whether he sent a 10-year contract a con he mailed a contract to the house okay and it was for 10 years uh-huh and uh my mother read it and then our friend our alan early he was an attorney he read it and uh he said you know what a contract is to be negotiated he says one thing is 10 years this takes you beyond your 21st birthday oh, okay. so that means this contract should should only be for maybe let's say five years. Yeah. And on top of that, I would have to have a guardian, and my mother would probably have to go on the road with me. I was only seventeen. I was underage. Gotcha. And I'd be on the road with all these men. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And when I was seventeen, I looked like I was twenty-five. Okay. Because <laughs> by the time I was twelve, I was fully developed. Right on. Right I was on. fully developed when I was told people would say my mother would my mother let's say these men would be looking at me and I'd be 12 my mother would say I don't know what you're looking at she's just 12. <laughs> <laughs> hey mom was right there in the country mom right the there. Mom. That's it. but she had me psyched out you know she had me psyched out so I I stayed like I stayed a good girl and you know what there ain't nothing wrong with that, wrong with that. <laughs> but you know so now we're going let's go into the time with another we're going to add now another legend into your life pearl bailey oh now, so now this is a few years later now right you're in new york or no my dear no my dear what is that? I met Pearl at tw at 17, and oh. that's when I joined the Pearl Bailey Review. See, a lot of stuff happened while yeah. I was still 17. A lot. The hmm. Duke Ellington, the Pearl Bailey, I was 17. Okay. Yeah. Please tell yeah, us the Pearl Bailey. It reminds me of that song, you know, what? like, what? Uh, what's that song? Da 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 da. It was a very good it year. It was a very good year. It that's was a right. very good 17 year. 17 was your year. That's yeah, that's it. Well, <laughs> da, 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 da. They ought to write a song. They ought to write a song. Or do the same melody, but change yeah. it for a woman. Come and on, I man. Heard somebody told me that uh, th there were uh, lyrics for a woman, but they were never recorded. You know what? Now you've given me a mission. Rather, there was, rather. And uh, yeah. a friend of mine who's a, a wonderful musician himself, Frank Owens, back in New York. Frank Owens. Um, he told me that. See there? So now Pearl Bailey, and that was for, what was the Pearl Bailey experience? Okay. He, Alan Early <laughs> enters the picture again. Who's that? Alan Early, attorney okay. Alan Early Jr., okay. our friend, our dear friend of my parents and our neighbor. And he was at a cocktail party. Yet this is another cocktail party. <laughs> at 17. You know, everybody having to drink. Gotcha. And uh, Alan met uh, a guy by the name of uh, Bob Bailey. Okay. Bob Bailey was the road manager for the touring company of the Pearl Bailey Review. Okay. 
Now he was no, he's not related to Pearl, but he, they just had the same last name. Right. So he spoke with Bob and he said, I, he says, I want you to hear, um, my friend, my, my friend's daughter, who's a very good singer. And what happened was Bob told him that, uh, one of their singers in the back, you know, the background singers had left the show okay. and that they were looking to audition to get another, another singer, you know, an alto singer for the group, for the background singers. Mm -hmm. And so that's when Alan said, oh, maybe Frida might, this might be something for Frida because I had just graduated from high school. Okay. And so Alan arranged through Bob Bailey for me to audition. Uh. So when I got to the audition, it was at a theater. And so when I got to the audition, there was, a lot of people, there were several people there and they were all professional singers, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, older than me. Right. And so I auditioned, it was, it was a double audition. It was for two things. Uh, it was to be a dancer at the Moulin Rouge in Las Vegas, okay. the chorus line. And okay. it was to also be with Pearl Bailey as one of her background singers. Gotcha. Well, I won both. I was, cho I was booked. Go ahead. Go ahead. As a dancer <laughs> in the chorus line at the Moulin Rouge. And then I got the gig to tour with Pearl Bailey. So it was like almost like the next day. Yeah. I was, they put me on the bus. Look at that. And I was See, working man. with Pearl Bailey. Now I know that had to have been a wow moment. It, that was a wow moment because it was like, here I am, a, De a, De a Detroiter. I had never, you know, really hadn't gone out. I mean, I'd gone to other places. I'd been, we had been out of town. I'd been out of town to other places, but I'd never worked out of town. Right, and right. getting on the bus and wow. working with Pearl Bailey. Yeah. And then all these, it was a wonderful, it was a mind-blowing experience. Come on. And I know you mentioned, uh, Ms. Frida, earlier that it wasn't you didn't look at it, uh, meeting with Sammy and then progressing to Duke and now with Pearl, that you, it really didn't hit you, at, you it hit you as that people were, were helping you or people noticed things about you and then they were, you know, assisting you in certain, in, in, in your journey. But, and I would like to add that, add to that also, okay. that what they were helping was that incredible talent at such a young age that well, was thread really, through there in between and what from those nights of slaying they're listening to ella and the radio and things yeah. that, you know that you that you started putting together and now we're on we're with pearl bailey you know yeah. and that that's that's like so now when this journey with pearl how long were you with how long did was was this working it wasn't a long tour but it was curtailed later on. I mean, after a few weeks, it was curtailed because she got sick. Okay. And it was just temporary, but she got sick. So the show had to, we were at the Howard Theater when she got sick. Okay. And so we, that's when we had to like, kind of like shut down temporarily. Okay. And then um, that was it. But we did, okay, our, our first, my first uh, theater with Pearl was in Cincinnati. Okay. And it was at a, you know, it was always theaters, large, you know, large theaters. And then from Cincinnati, we went to Harlem, New York, to the Apollo Theater. Mm -hmm. And that was my first time 
working at the Apollo Theater. Come on now. Now, was it everything that everybody is told it's like that has ne that never experienced it, that energy, that like, uh-oh, they're going to like me or they're going to hate me? They do. Well, they I knew. I well, See, I was with Pearl Bailey, so... And she had she had uh, Louis Belson, who was she was gotcha. married to Louis Belson. Right, right. He there you go. His big band. So I knew. I mean, I knew they were. That wasn't the, that didn't enter my mind at all because I right said on. this is right Pearl Bailey. Pearl right. Bailey was a superstar. Exactly. Exactly. She was a big deal. A and movie star, a nightclub star, a media star. She was just everything. Everything. She was all of that. That's right. And uh, I knew they were going to love her. So. And now that camp now has become, and from there, is this the time when your first recording contract or, or during this time after that, your first album? Please tell me about that experience. With, and, not, and, you know, even saying, you, I didn't want to be a singer or I didn't know that singing was part of my thing when I was younger. Now you're starting your first record deal. Right. And also, I have to add on, on that note about the Apollo. Okay. That wouldn't be the last time I was at the Apollo. Ah. The next time I went to the, let's see, it was the next time I went to, to the Apollo, uh, this was after I had Band of Gold and I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I headlined the Apollo. Come on now. I headlined the Apollo. This was <laughs> early 70s. Right on. And my act, my opening acts were the OJs, mm -hmm. Edwin Starr, mm. and those are the ones I remember. I can't remember the other ones, but it was like I was the headliner for a week. Yes. So Come that on. was that was the beginning, and also with Duke, it wasn't that wasn't it with Duke. You know, going to Pittsburgh, I wound mm. up later. You know how he got me? How he got me years later. Okay. He had already passed away, but he got me years later when I when I got booked to star in Duke Ellington's Sophisticated <laughs> Ladies. ladies. <laughs> yeah. And I wound up doing like six companies oh, yeah. of Duke Ellington's Sophisticated Ladies. I originally got a call from Donald McHale, who was the original. He conceived and choreographed it. Mm -hmm. And this was in probably 1974. And he called me about doing, was, would I be interested? Yeah. And he said, I'm thinking of you because I know you had, you did a jazz album back in 93. Yeah. I'm, no, no, no. He said he had heard that I was also a jazz singer before gotcha. I did Band right. of Gold. Band of Gold, right. And uh, I said, yes, I'd love to do, I would love it. Yeah. And he said, we don't know whether it's going to be a book show or just a review. We're working mm -hmm. on that now. It's in workshop with Gregory Hines and, and Judith Jameson. Oh, and uh, I said, yeah. So anyway, a, f a couple of years went by, I didn't hear anything from him. I figured, well, oh, well, you know, cause I was busy anyway by that time. Right. And next thing I know I'm reading in Jet, Phyllis Hyman to do, to star in Sophisticated Ladies and on Broadway. And I said, okay, that's all right. Cause <laughs> I knew that Phyllis was a fabulous, wonderful oh, jazz singer. That's right. And yeah. I got to meet, I got to uh, meet her yeah. In, early in her career yeah yeah she was uh she i knew she was gonna be great she, <laughs> oh my goodness so tell me you know what it's like i said it's no way to fill the frida Payne details and episodes in this short time but i know that also in this present time that we're all dealing with you heard me mention about the protests that are oh, out yeah. Right now. yeah you have a standard protest 
song that you, I think it was also a number, was it your second number one, Bring the it Boys Home? It was my second gold record and second big hit, Bring the Boys Home. Bring the Boys Home. Now yeah, that, Bring the Boys Home was, uh, everybody looked at it as being a protest song. Okay. Because it was like, at, at the time, the Republicans were in office. Right. And uh, they kind of like, they kind of freaked out over it because they felt that this was telling soldiers to just, you know, put down your weapons and come home. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't want to hear that. But okay. it didn't. It was different. It, it was more like it, it, it spoke to the hearts and the souls of soldiers who were not only alive and, and, and fighting for us over there, but also the ghost of soldiers who had passed on. It's right. like bring them back alive. Can't you see them marching across the sky? All the soldiers who have died trying to get home. Come on now. You know, on now. They're just trying to get home. That's right. Bring That's the boys right. home. Bring them back alive. That's bring right. them back alive. Mm -hmm. And when this record came out, about two weeks after it was released, we got the record company Invictus. They got a telegram from uh, Washington, D.C. saying that my record, Bring the Boys Home, could not or will not be played in South Vietnam due to the fact that it was giving uh, comfort to the enemy. the enemy. Look at that. What went through your mind when you got that news? I was like, I, somebody had actually, uh, uh, someone had actually pre-warned me okay. that that could happen. And I didn't believe them. Okay. I didn't believe them. Okay. He said, Freddie, you know what? And this friend of mine, he was my road manager and, and my confidant and a very spiritual, very psychic person. And he said, Frida, he says, don't be surprised if you get some flack from the Republican Party when this record comes out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I didn't believe it. I got you. But you it know what? That, that speaks to the power of artistry especially in times like these as well. Whenever there was something of a protest or a statement, somebody wrote a song about it, somebody made a movie about it. What, what, what can you give our artists to Because we have a camp, uh, who an artist camp that are watching today as well. Um, and they, one of their biggest uh, 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 monikers right now is developing their voice as young artists. What can you say to them right now about the, the importance of using your artistry to say what's on your mind for the, for, for the world? I would like, I would say that uh, I would tell them to keep on doing what they're doing. And if they're thinking of writing a song that has protest overtones to it or hardcore protest, right. mm -hmm. uh, keep on doing it because this is what's happening now. I think, this is there's a this is a moment in time in the universe where God is speaking to the young people. Come on, Ms. the Ms. millennials. Gotcha. That it's time. It's sort of like it's a movement. Mm -hmm. And I know that I, we know we all know about Black Lives Matter. That's right. That's, That's part right. of it as well. But it's a movement, and it comes a time when something has to change. It's like an earthquake. Come on. When the earth builds up so much pressure yeah. in the bowels of the ground, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. then it, all of a sudden, one day, un, unannounced, all, all of a sudden, it erupts. Yeah. It's like yeah. a volcano. 
-hmm. And mm -hmm. that George Floyd, Ooh. that was the, come on. That tipped it. Come on. That tipped it. That's right. That That's tipped right. it. Like when you that cook with Because it showed the world the injustice. And it's sort of like, although we know this has been happening for years, yeah. and it goes back, and, and before we had all these cell phones where we can take movies, you know, videos and pictures like people are doing now, don't you know it was happening more? It, was ha it always ha had been happening. Yes. It yeah. always had been happening. That's right. It's just that now they're being caught. Come on now. Come they're on. They're being now. caught. And it's the young people. It's like when you see these protesters out there, and uh, I even the even the rioters, but I say the protesters. Mm -hmm. You don't see they're not people in their fifties and sixties and seventies. These Come are on. millennials. They're That's out there. These are the big, and they say, and a child shall lead them. There you go. There you go. And a child shall lead them. And I look at them like that as they're to me they're still children. I got you. And you know what? What you said is so powerful right now. And, and one of the things I always like to say, Ms. Frieda, on this show is my generation, in the, I'm 55, so my generation and even the generation before me, it's important, I believe, to, to leave our gate open for communication, like what you're saying right now. That's what you're saying, that we need to hear the, the voice and the, the, of our younger generation out here that's right now. Um, hear what's on their mind. What you, hear what's, what they're angry about, what the confusement's about, especially our artists. So co-signing on the wisdom you just gave, um, I believe is so necessary for a change to continue or for the attempt of a change to continue. Well, you see, the young people now, they have seen so much. Come on. They have been educated so much. They have read, the, or, or, or they've no, known of the history of segregation, like mm -hmm. um, the civil rights movement, because yeah. I'm a child. I came up in the time when, uh, before the uh, civil rights bill was passed. Mm -hmm. Although I grew up in Detroit, where there was no, seg you know, uh, segregation per se mm -hmm. but the but the uh but we all knew that there was a difference and we all experienced racial disparities in detroit mm -hmm. you know that we knew uh that that white there was certain a certain uh group of white people didn't like us that they were gotcha. there were certain areas you couldn't live in like for instance mm -hmm. like in detroit there was an area called gross point okay it was all white Okay. I remember being with my mother, being twelve and thirteen, mm -hmm. and we would she would take me to this a resale dress shop in Gross Point. Okay. Where she said, "Oh, this is where all the all the rich white women take their you know the dresses after they've worn them maybe once or twice, mm -hmm. and they put them up for sale." And and that sometimes we would go there, yeah. you know, to buy a cocktail dress or something. And I remember they say the only black people you'd see in Gross Point would be the people who were the housekeepers and the maids mm -hmm. and all that. Mm -hmm. See there? Yeah. And you know what I have to, while you're just saying what you're saying again now, and once again, thank you so much. This is, you're dropping gems right now. And uh, once again, when you look back on, on these comments, every, uh, so many around the world are agreeing with this. And I, I'm, you hear the stories of Hollywood. 
especially in what we call either the, go, the, the, the era before myself, um, the, the pave makers, the, 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 the door openers, you know, where Michael passed, gave it up to Sammy Davis Jr., Michael Jackson, and, and so many others who, like myself, who, who understand the importance of giving the respect that's due and the importance of giving the flowers that's due. And that's another reason why it's such an honor to have you and so many of the others who joined us here to talk about their journey, because it must be told. We know of the groundbreaking that you and, and your predecessors, Bill Cosby and Sammy Davis and so many others that you all did for us as entertainers, as artists, but then how what you did for us as a society, as a people, okay? When you hear that, um, and when you're giving, when you're given that, I'm gonna say accolade, when you're given that respect, like so many of, of your uh, 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 associates have been given over their career, mm -hmm. what does that do? Miss Frida, what does that give? What feeling does that give you to know that you've made you are part of making such a change in the life of artistry and the life of people? Well, it kind of it, it amazes me. It kind of makes me feel like, oh wow, you know, I was in the front like we were, like you say back then. I was in the front line. They call it, you know, we were we were the pioneers walking, you know, taking the punches. Mm -hmm. And uh, like with John Lewis, yes, Congressman John Lewis, he mm -hmm. that, he was really in the front line, right. and he he almost sacrificed his life. Yes, he almost lost his life mm -hmm. for what he believed in, yeah. and those freedom riders and those people marching back in Selma. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was like they had. I mean, they 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 had the they had a lot of courage. Yes. And they were not, a, they were willing to give up their life. That's right. And they had a lot of courage. I had the experience, like, in, and I did experience uh, racism to its extreme okay. uh, back when I was 17. And this is when my mother and I and Mac Ferguson drove from Detroit mm -hmm. to Las Vegas to join Duke Ellington. Wow. wow. Because he was performing at the Riviera Hotel mm -hmm. in the lounge. And so he had invited me to come with my mother and that he said, uh, you know, to come and, and um, possibly get up and join him there. Yeah. We arrived in Vegas and after a two and a half day drive, mm -hmm. of course we stopped different places and stayed in, you know, like a uh, motel or whatever. Right. We experienced racism on the way where yeah. there were restaurants where we wanted to go in and, and get a bite to eat or what a sandwich or something to eat. And uh, we couldn't eat in the restaurant. We had to just get it to take out. Yeah. I and that it. was it. Wow. When we arrived in Vegas, it was like about nine o'clock in the evening. I'll never forget it. I'm mm -hmm. 17. We're driving down the strip and I'm like in awe of all this neon. Yes. Like right. it was like a neon circus, you know, it's like, oh my God, look at oh, look at that, look at that. Right. And so we were tired. And so we start saying, well, we got to, we better find a motel because we're really worn out all the, all the driving. And so we, the sign on the motel would say vacancy. 
Okay. Mac would go in, not me or my mother. Mac would go in, come back out. They say there's no vacancy. Mm. So then we moved on to the next one. Right. Vacancy. Mac goes in, comes out. They say there's no vacancy. Mm-hmm. At that time, I start thinking, what's wrong with him? Doesn't even there something wrong with that? Maybe they don't want us to stay at that <laughs> motel. The third motel, the same thing. So then Mac and we were like, what are we going to do? So we saw this man, this uh, black man walking down the street. We stopped him. And we got out of the car and my mother and Mac said, what's going on? We've been to several hotels and and they all have vacancy out there. And why won't they, why are they telling us that there's no vacancy? Right. And the man said, ma'am, don't you realize they don't allow us to stay here on the strip? Look at that. And so my mother said, oh, no, but Duke Ellington is working here at the Riviera Hotel with his big band. Isn't he staying there? And the man said, oh, no, ma'am, he can't stay there. He can work there. He said he's probably staying at the West Motel over on the west side in the Dust Bowl. That's what the wow. the West Side was. Ref- they right. had a nickname for it. They called it the Dust Bowl back then. Gotcha. That name is since long gone. Yeah, yeah. But that's where all the black people lived. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, we we got a payphone and called, and sure enough, they were Duke and the whole band was. They were all stand at the West Motel, owned mm. by a black doctor by by the name of Doctor Bell. Go ahead. And so we got rooms there too. <laughs> we got we got our rooms there. Wow. See what kind of perspective does that put on it? You know, the reality of someone who who can say, you know, firsthand of the stories we've heard or or the what we've read in a book or whatever, you're giving us that firsthand experience of that realism. You know, right. and, and the positive to me of that, Ms. Frieda. Is that you here? I'm here. But then when you think about it, this was like 61, 1961. Uh By 64, I was working on the strip with Larry Steele at Uh the Thunderbird. Okay. Larry Steele, Smart Affairs at 64. And we stayed on the strip. We didn't stay in the Thunderbird Hotel, but we stayed in in little bungalows on the strip. Yeah. Because they they had signed the, um, the civil rights bill by then. Mm-hmm. Lyndon Johnson. Yeah. Please yeah. tell us that there is a, a story, a book, a movie, something about the Frida Payne story in the making. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but. Okay, okay. Well, if somebody, if it gets serious, then I guess I'll have to have a hand in it. There you go, right on. Get the facts <laughs> right. That, that that's the main thing. That's the main thing. Because like you said, a lot of times the stories can just go here. It gets gets their own. Oh, they, are you kidding? I mean, <laughs> I've read, I mean, I've read stuff about me, uh, even on Wikipedia where they get stuff kind of kind of like exactly, stuff, exactly. You know, that's, or backwards, whatever. You know what? But we can't close here because I'm I'm getting this also as well that. You know, when I I had the pleasure to speak with uh, Joyce Bryant, who was a friend of my mother and father's uh, for so many years. So growing up and hearing her stories as a 
as um, a, 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 a beautiful black woman within entertainment, okay? Isn't she the one that had the silver hair? That's that's Joyce Bryant, the voice. That's her. That's her. Yeah, I used to read about her and Jeff. Yeah, Joyce Bryant. And to hear her stories growing up, um, and then also, you know, just and others who, who were able, I was able to hear their stories uh, of the Black female uh, gorgeousness, if sex symbol or what have you. The, 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 when, when that started to happen, when we talk about stories, okay, of, of uh, Frida Payne, was that a mind blow? as well, coming from the introvert that you said, that we understand that introvert, you and I, <laughs> then all of a sudden, you know, boom. Well, my feeling of being an introvert is, it's like you get this feeling like when I'm, when I'm somebody wants to like give me an award or bestow an honor on me, and I'm thinking, and the bigger the award or the, the more prestigious the honor, yeah. I always have this feeling like, I'm not worthy. I got you. I don't I deserve you. this. There are other people that deserve this more than me. I you know? Yes, I totally but, understand. And you know, but then there are other people who have the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which, which I guess we also combine. That's our siblings in a lot of ways. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what, you know, Ms. Frida, I have to, hearing your story, and we're going to close out, but I, 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 there's a, a lyric of one of my favorite, which I found out was also uh, written by one of your very good friends, Artie. And, Artie Butler! Uh, yes, but there's a lyric in that, there's a, there are a couple of lines in that song, and hearing your story, it, it speaks to that. And I'm talking about the song, the classic, Here's to Life, uh, you know, Shirley Horn, but done, but done by Joe Williams and so many others. But the line that says, for there's no yes in yesterday, That's and right. who knows what tomorrow brings or takes away, as long, long as I'm still in, the, in game, the game, I'm gonna play. For laughs, for life, for love. Mm -hmm. So here's to life and every joy it brings. Yeah. Here's to life for dreamers and their dreams. May all your storms be weathered and all that's, that's good gets better. better. Oh my did I, I did I tell you my story about Arlie Butler and Here's to Life? Yes, you did, but I know the Positivity Posse would love to hear it too. <laughs> okay. I met Arlie Butler back in 1992. Mm -hmm. And he happened to be at the time, we lived in the same neighborhood. He was my neighbor. I lived on Blue Jay Way. He's on Doheny Drive. Okay. And so he invited me to his home and he was in his living room and he started playing this song. Yeah. It was Here's to Life. Yeah. And when he finished, I said, oh, Artie. He said, what do you think? I said, that is gorgeous. I said, it's, it's like a, it's for a mature person. Yes. He said, well, Shirley Horn just recorded it in the studio you know, and of course he was there. And he said, and Joe Williams is going to do it on the Tonight Show this coming Friday night with Johnny Carson. And the next year I did a, a one woman show down at the Los Angeles Theater Center in the Tom Bradley Theater that in 93. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I included Here's to Life in my program and it was recorded. So I recorded Here's to Life back in 19. Oh, come on now. Yeah. See there? I still do the song. It's like, 
it's you know singers love singers love this that song you know you hear it all the time you see me doing this thanks and no regrets i still believe in chasing dreams and placing bets and i have learned when all you give is all you get so you give it all you got i had my share i drank my fill and even though i'm satisfied i'm hungry still to see what's down beyond the road beyond the hill and do it all again so here's to life and every joy it brings. Here's to life, to dreamers and their dreams. Funny how the time just flies. How love can go from warm hellos to sad goodbyes and leave you with the memories you've memorized to keep your winters warm. And there's no yes in yesterday. Mm. And who knows what tomorrow brings or takes away. As long as I'm still in the game, I wanna play for life, for laughs, <laughs> for love. So here's to life yes. and every joy it brings. Here's to life, mm -hmm. to dreamers and their dreams. May all your storms be weathered and all that's good get better. Here's to life. Here's to love. Here's to you. <laughs> but Sheena, how you gonna come on my show and have me cry? That ain't even right. Uh, Incredible. Thank oh, I was thank not you. expecting that. That was well, you kind of led me into it, you know. You kind of like honor. Did it. You know? like, I felt like, okay, why not? No, man, thank you so much. And that just goes back into that other whole thing of the power of interpretation and in song and delivery. And y'all, we used to call that back in Memphis, flat-footed. You just sing there, no band, no nothing. And that's just, and that's what it's all about. Miss Frida, what an honor. Thank oh. you. Thank you so much. For yeah, joining us. Listen, uh, forthcoming, my, my last project, which has not been released or is not yeah. out there yet. Okay. Is my, um, I, got, I did four duets. I've got five tunes in the can. Go and ahead. And I might add to it to make it a full CD. And that's my duet with um, Johnny Mathis. <laughs> and with, um, uh, I didn't tell you this already, did I? 
please, the, the positivity yeah, policy doesn't hurt. I did a duet with D.D. Bridgewater, mm -hmm. and uh, we did Moaning and Doodling. Go ahead. And then I did a duet with Kenny Lattimore. Oh, wow. And oh, wow. we did that, uh, that Nat King Cole tune, Let There Be Love. Yeah. And then I did a duet with Kurt Elling. Okay. Who is like one of your foremost Grammy Award winning yep. jazz vocalists. Yes, he is. Yeah, so. Yes, he is. Hey, well, they, uh, I know they are honored to be a part, just like we have been honored today of being you, you, you sharing your journey, you sharing your positivity, you sharing your life with us. And, and, and we just thank you so much, much respect. Thank you for, thank you for reaching out to me and yes. inviting me. You got it, you got it. Much love and much happiness, Ms. Frida Payne. Well, thank you. All right, all right. And thank, thank you, you for being our newest member of the Positivity Posse from around the world. And keep, hey, keep on doing what you're doing. Thank you. Keep on doing what you're doing. Thank you very right. much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Love you now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You all, <laughs> you know what? That was fantastic. That was fantastic. And so many, so many unspoken. See, that's when you know it hits you to the core, when you can't find the words. You did? You can feel it, but you can't find the words. And, and it's, it's, that's that, that magic, that, that realness of an interpreter of music and song, a delivery specialist, you know, that comes from the heart, that gives it to you straight from their soul. And uh, ah, this was fantastic. Positivity Posse, thank you again for taking your time and joining us today on the Victor Brooks Show uh, Facebook Live quarantine series and all of the positivity posse from around the world. Uh, 17 at 7 in France, uh, the Jobim Network there in Brazil, um, our Ger uh, the, the, the Musicians uh, Council there in Germany, and on and on. And even here, thank you, Michigan. Thank you, my family down there in Huntsville, Alabama, Oakwood College. Uh, thank you, Memphis, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us here today. Um, thank you so much. And Sister Lorella, thank you for joining us. Lorella Cargyle and so many others, so many others. Clifton, uh, The Emotions, everybody who tuned in for this today. Whoo, there it is. Next Sunday, 1 o'clock p.m., uh, uh, the Victor Brooks Show is going, it's so proud. I got to tell you who we hitting you back to back with. Next Sunday, we have Shirley Jones of the incredible Jones Girls that's going to come and, and give her journey, tell her story of the, 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 the changes that the Jones Girls made in this game called entertainment and music and artistry and, 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 and give her, she's going to give us her sense of positivity for our positivity posse as well so that we can just take it on to the next week, y'all. I hope you picked up these gems today from uh, the legendary Frida Payne. She was dropping those gems and then she broke out in song <laughs> to put the cherry on the cake of what it's all about, of that Frida payne that we all have loved and respected for so many years. And like I always say, come on back. 
Come get some of this positivity on you, y'all. Take a bath in it. Take a shower in it. Scuba dive in it. If you want to just skinny dip in it, just get in that pool of positivity. And when you come out of that, sprinkle it on somebody else, as many people as you can, because that's what it's all about. On behalf of my brother Chris Brooks, my sister Julie McKnight, and the incredible, talented, and beautiful Wendy Vaughn, Join us next time, next Sunday, 1 o'clock p.m. on the Victor Brooks Show Facebook Live Quarantine Series. Thank you.